Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It's Wednesday, May 31st, 2023, after Asian markets close. Welcome to the Market Death Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. So you guys remember yesterday when I said that we're at a turning point in markets for China to begin a reverse rally in the immediate term? Yeah, neither do I. No, of course, I'm kidding, okay? By which I mean, yes, indeed, I did say that yesterday, and indeed, markets were once again slammed today, okay, as China manufacturing PMI data came out this morning to once again disappoint to the downside across the board, right? Output is in contraction. Um, so so our new orders, buying activity, export sales, everything, right? And then China services PMI, although not in contraction, that also came in below expectations and are rolling over in terms of a, a trend. And so off the back of that, we, just, we saw just a you know broad-based, one-directional, cross-asset, risk-off move. Here's the picture on Asia equities at the close. The indices are all down, some of them sharply, um, most notably two of them, right? The Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong is now in official bear market territory, having closed down minus 20% from the peak. And then the Nikkei in Japan, which actually did have this reversal rally um, that I had pointed out yesterday, right? The Nikkei is down sharply, minus 1.4% at close for its worst day since early April. And then in addition to that, the third thing I said yesterday, that reversal in the, you know, the AI monster rally theme that we've been seeing globally, for that to top out and, and reverse, seems that that also came to fruition. You know, with the names like uh, Tokyo Electron, even the mighty and unstoppable Advantis Corp, after rallying what, 25% in the last few days, um, up 70% this month alone, finally clocking in a down day for Adventist. Um, and then even like overnight during U.S. trading hours, during, I guess this is Tuesday for U.S. trading hours, um, I saw NVIDIA shares, yeah, they closed up on the day, but it seems that they spiked at the open. And then from those highs down to its lows on the day, it gave up about 5% intraday downside right from from that kind of peak to bottom as opposed to just having yet another double digit parabolic move so did i at least nail two of those three calls from yesterday no i'll just say very candidly i didn't okay yes i might have been directionally and timing wise right for the japan equity downside and the ai momentum cap but i'm right for the wrong reasons meaning i'm lucky and so more importantly, I'm actually 0 for 3 from yesterday. And we'll get into why that is later. All right, but for now, let's just keep looking at the broader global equity picture from the weak China PMI reaction because this didn't just hit uh, China and Hong Kong equities or Asia regional only for that matter. Um, see this chart from today's trading session that starts the day with SPX E-minis trading unflinched at the Nikkei immediate downside at Japan market open and then Nikkei swinging back up to upwards to recovery in the first hour of uh, Japan equity trading and SPX it, it, you know ignores all this and then boom China PMI data drops at China and Hong Kong market open and then everything falls directionally in tandem from that point and again this was indeed cross asset impact not just on equities here is the yuan plummeting as well, right through that 7.1 level. Um, and that's the level that the PBOC was supposedly previously defending with state banks' interventions just a few days ago. That level is now taken out. 
Um, and then we also have copper futures further downside. This goes, you know, across all the usual suspects of China tie commodities. Iron ore futures also hit, you know, further down, well into sub 100 that broke support, as I mentioned a few days back. Um, and then on the broader currency front too, at this 9:30 a.m. China local time moment, we saw, you know, the larger FX pairs like the euro fall against the dollar even aussie dollar fall right um and that's with a higher than expected australia cpi print coming out today to suggest that the rba rate hikes might have to return which all else equals should elicit upside move in aud but rba policy is not in the here and now like china's manufacturing pmi print and so the aussie follow suit follows suit with uh you know with china's continued worsening economic picture and the commodities picture rather than Australia's domestic economic, you know, monetary policy implications, all right? And then meanwhile, bond yields are down everywhere and also reversing trend, okay? So, wow, that China manufacturing PMI really did a number on everything. Almost as if all global markets cross-asset were, like, caught off guard to China economic weakness, okay? But wait a second, let's think about this for a moment, okay? Does that actually make sense? No, not really, okay? Because after all, when I say China PMI is disappointed to the downside, or any data for that matter, is at this point, is a miss in China data really a market surprise at this point? Are we really surprised by China data downside surprises anymore? Like almost every single China macro data release over the past month, be it on the consumer side, retail sales, inflation, the industrial side, the financing, the loan activity and demand, the business consumer sentiment, balance of trade, all of it, all of it came in below expectations. Some of them well, well below expectations. Okay. So at this point, wouldn't like the real China data surprise ironically be a non-surprise of an in line with consensus reading? That's what would shock me. I'm not shocked anymore of a below, you know, uh, a worse than consensus reading on anything, right? Because otherwise, what the market read by everyone who's talking about about this at the the current moment suggests is that what it suggests is that like there were investors who have been holding their long China bets all the way down, 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 down over the last several months, um, and or have been ignoring multiple consecutive China data releases and driving markets up, up, up again and again and again, right? One or the other, right? And then now this manufacturing PMI for which expectations were slightly higher than um, than the actual print, but the expectations were nonetheless still expecting a sub 50 contraction either way. So it's not like this was, uh, you know, a, a huge miss, right? But so this, piece of data is now causing broad-based cross-asset sell-offs within global markets X china as well as a continued sell-off within China? Look, the answer may very well be yes. Yes, indeed, that's exactly what's going on. Okay, after all, I even laid this exact scenario out before in previous episodes of Market Depth, that markets, be it the Nikkei or the NASDAQ bulls or whoever, they're getting swept up in momentum to the upside, right? And to the extent that they are keeping you know, a, a flash corner of their eye on macro risk, it's just going to be on debt ceiling or Fed policy or banking crisis and, and like sort of U.S. domestic matters is where like the, the risk sort of focus would be, the focus, right? 
Um, and and those just basically running in the background of people's minds, if at all. But the the risk or the macro headwind that they're not keeping up with is this like kind of drip drip of like the dying or dead China reopen theme as reflected in, you know, the non-China related risk assets rallying, right? And so I had been saying that perhaps around when the time that the debt ceiling matter gets settled, for which it now seems that markets have now accepted this as the outcome, debt ceiling settled, right? Then they might finally look over to Asia and realize China's economy is burning down and then react late, but accordingly, right? So I actually did say that this might occur. Um, and so given that this China manufacturing PMI just so happens to be this next China data miss following the debt ceiling issue now off the table, then yes, you know, maybe there are a ton of you know, blindsided investors who just got their attention called to, to you know, this reopen that never happened in China and are reacting in markets as we speak. Okay, could very well be that happening. Um, in fact, it likely is happening to some extent. But look, I don't accept that to be the entire reason um, as is being touted out there right now as we speak, right? The market divergences between China and every other region, it's been way too wide to go that unnoticed where you have the Nikkei, Korea, Kospi, you know, Taiwan, just rallying and outperforming, you know, US and Europe, and then China also, you know, Asia regional just, just plummeting, right? That kind of divergence to go that unnoticed, I mean, look, there has to be something else. Okay, so what else might be going on to explain this sudden stop and reversal in the Japan equity rally and in AI momentum and the rest? Well, let's first go back to this chart when the China PMI miss data was released at 9.30 a.m. local time uh, in China. Okay, but note that 9.30 a.m. in China is also the same exact moment or time that China and Hong Kong cash equity markets open for trading, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, let me just clear out all of these other markets from today's intraday cross-asset correlated chart and just leave these two tickers, okay? Just U.S. equity futures and Japan Nikkei index, and that's it, okay? And these two indices are the ones that matter the most for this month. And the only reason that SPX E-mini is the only reason that matters is, is because it just does by by default perpetually and benchmarking, right? It just but in context of actual recent market activity, it's the Nikkei in Japan index and equities that are the most important globally to monitor for what the global capital allocation flows are actively doing or not doing. And I've also left the time scale set to China and Hong Kong. And I've also marked the China and Hong Kong AM market open and the PM market open thereafter. Those are those two sort of dotted yellow lines. Now, if you look at this, you'll see that SPX E-minis and the Nikkei making decisive directional movements right at 9.30 a.m. when that PMI print hit, okay? And also, though, when China and Hong Kong AM trading hours opened. So you can't really tell from that moment this is why I also have that PM open uh, marking as well. That's PM cash open for Hong Kong and China. And at that point, we have yet another wave of coordinated downside directional movement in these global DM equity indices that are not China. All right. 
And nothing was announced or data was released at that PM open moment at that time. Which leads me to think that perhaps Markets X China are still ignoring China macro data releases. Releases, And we, the market participants, the market observers, commentators, financial media, and the like, we're all just kind of automatically connecting the China release and the market sell-off as cause and effect. And very well may be wrongly doing so and without even knowing that we're wrongly doing so. And... If we are indeed blindly just attributing a market move to the wrong reason or catalyst, then we, we are at risk of setting up to, to fail going forward on false signal reading um, that we're basing market behavior on. So that's why I'm looking intently at specifically the Japan move, the Japan sell-off today. Okay, Because until now, Japan has not only completely shrugged off the worst month of post-China reopened data day after day after day by just rallying to 33-year highs, right? Not only has it ignored that, it's it's thrived, right? Rallying to 33-year highs, breaking through 30K on Nikkei, despite China's deterioration. Um, and almost happening solely based on foreign inflows into Japan equities, right? And mostly U.S.-based investors amongst those foreign inflows. And so, therefore, if these are foreign investors that are long Japan, that are buying Japan actively, and then therefore intently looking at Japan, then likely they're also aware of what's broadly happening in Asia region as a whole and aware of China melting down, right? And they're buying Japan either way. They don't care. They're aware that it's happening. They don't care. They're still buying Japan, right? Over the past, you know, month and a half. So therefore, yet another crummy macro data reading from China, you know, showing more of the same is almost arbitrary among the slew of China data to selectively and collectively react to, right? Like China PMI likely isn't now suddenly triggering sharp selling in Japan collectively, um, nor is China PMI data stopping the insane global AI momentum dead in its tracks, at least not China macro alone, okay? Now, Look, I always say that there's never just one reason for a market move or even a handful of reasons. There are, you know, infinite possible reasons and actual reasons um, that markets move, okay? But with that said, here's one reason that may explain what else is currently underway, specifically in equity markets that we are completely overlooking and instead attributing just China, you know, PMI poor reading uh, to the equity market move. And we're doing so wrongly, okay? This is what else is going on that would make more sense. What we likely have on our hands is portfolio rebalancing activities related to month end on this last day of May, okay? Now, what do I mean by that? For those who don't know, this is a very broad and general term, and I'm purposely using it that way because there are many, many, many different kinds of rebalancing activities, right? But very generally what it means is that when you have, you know, a specific portfolio allocation, whatever it may be to whatever asset holdings they may be, right? Um, and one or some of those holdings makes a, you know, a major move, right? Such that it throws the portfolio's target alloc allocation weighting out of balance. Then you have to buy and sell, you know, the various components of the portfolio just to bring it back into balance, hence rebalancing. Okay. 
It could be passive ETF or it could be active multi-asset portfolio. Let's just take a very plain vanilla 60-40 portfolio for an example. Okay, so say you have a 60-40 portfolio that's supposed to be 60% stocks and 40% bonds. And then let's say that stock holdings suddenly just explode higher and they become a larger percentage of the total value of the portfolio, right? So, so that let's say that at the end of the month, that 60-40 stock to bond weighting became a 70-30 stock to bond weighting. Right, and assuming bonds just didn't change in value over that time period, then a rebalance would have to occur, and you'd have to basically sell enough of the stocks down in order to get back to having them be back to that sixty percent of the portfolio balance. Okay, so that's what a, a rebalance would be. Um, and if it went the other way, in which stocks got slammed and the value of you know the stock portion eroded to say fifty percent of the portfolio, then the rebalance would need to buy more stocks to get it back to that sixty forty balance allocation right like kathy wood does this right people can grill her all they want and much of it is obviously very much called for but every now and then you get someone who says like you know like your your records show that you're you're a seller of tesla or something right to which the reason is because the arc fund portfolio construction has like a 10 percent max allocation to tesla so if it's the year 2020 and tesla goes up like tenfold or whatever it was she has to keep selling Tesla shares. Otherwise, they'll be like half of the ARK fund portfolio, right? That's a daily rebalancing that she has to do if, if such rebalancing is called for, right? So again, this, this happens in like many, 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 many different forms. Way too much to even think about, let alone to list here. Um, but one significant kind of rebalancing is for major indices and for benchmarks to rebalance, okay? So... Many J Japan equity investors, they benchmark their Japan equity portfolios to the broad-based topics index. And there's obviously a lot of ETFs that are tied to the broader topics index. It's like the SPY of, of Japan and things like that, right? Um, and then, so you have that. And then you also have international investors who mostly use um, MSCI indices. And MSCI rebalances are taking place today at market close for the May month end rebalance. And so given that Japan equities in particular had an incredible month, if not year to date, but incredible month, especially um, of May, as the world's best performing index, which rarely if ever happens, then there are global equity portfolios that are now currently overweight Japan equities from their target allocations. And therefore, they have to sell off some of their Japan equity gains from the month. And they did that today. And then in addition to that, and completely separately, there's a new... Uh, JPX, the Japan Exchange, put out a new index called the JPX Prime 150 Index that just rolled out, and it's targeting like it's basically trying to you know um, cater to these new foreign inflows that are coming in, and <laughs> foreigners that are seeking a benchmark basket of like Japan companies that are you know estimated to create value is is the purpose of it to create value. That's a fantastic objective, um, JPX. But nonetheless, this this came out. So this is gonna, you know, this is like seen as a potential new um, index that foreigners, all these foreign inflows, are going to be referencing off of, and they include the largest market cap Japan stocks. Um, and this was just recently just announced and just you know kind of rolled out, right? And so that also entered the picture. And then there's a like there's likely a whole bunch of other activities I'm not even mentioning or I'm, but you're probably overlooking, right? But the broader broader point being that while yes the China PMI may have triggered a directional sell off in Hong Kong, 
There are also a ton of other like market technical factors and market technical activities taking place as well that have nothing to do with China that were going to happen anyway, that are calendar, that are on the calendar to like, you know, to occur, right? Japan equities were poised to automatically have to sell on rebalancing today. Okay. Um, but just knowing that fact ahead of time, which like everyone does, it doesn't mean that Japan equities are going to directionally go down. Because just because there's an anticipated month-end rebalance sell flow coming, it's not the entire market activity for the day, right? It could still be met with even more buying flow for net market upside, right? But if it's met with additional unrelated to rebalance selling flows, such as that by profit-taking from momentum traders triggered by the Hang Seng bear market open and the Yuan plummet, that may have very well, you know, happened anyway um, at 9.30 a.m., regardless of another shitty China PMI reading, um, then selling begets selling, right? And it begets selling in Hong Kong equities, in Japan equities, and in AI stocks. And so the sharp pullback in Japan equities today, in the Nikkei and the Topics indices, as well as in single stocks, this happened on some serious trading volume, okay? So... X today, the average daily notional traded volume for the Tokyo Stock Exchange was about 3.3 trillion yen per day. Okay, that's the ADV, average daily volume, notional volume, 3.3 trillion yen per day for the cash equity market. Okay, for the cash equity market today in Japan, the notional value of stocks traded on the Tokyo Stock Exchange was almost 7 trillion yen. So that's over double the average notional volume. And it's also the biggest single day of value traded in Tokyo on the Tokyo Stock Exchange since April 2022. That's a 15-month high for a single day's trading volume. That occurred today at market close today. Okay, Was that because of another bad data print from China? No, that was month-end portfolio rebalancing flows. Then, if you look at the index futures end, Yes, we saw higher than average volume for Nikkei and Nikkei Mini Futures, but Topics Futures is really where the volume was. And as I said, the Topics Index, which consists of you know over some 2,000 stocks, is the benchmark, standard benchmark used uh, more so than the price-weighted Nikkei 225 Index in terms of you know Japan indices, right? Of the two, single stock investors use the Topics um, index to benchmark off of. And so therefore, topics futures are used more for single stock baskets and hedging and rebalancing and, you know, things like exchange for physical and block trading and basis trading and all of the other, you know, ARB and systematic strategies and along with the various other sort of active strategies that, that take place, okay? Topics futures are mainly used for that. Now, normally the directional traders of overall, you know, Japan equity market They'll just use the Nikkei futures by and large. Um, but here are today's numbers for futures. Okay, so Nikkei futures, which traded um, an average daily value of about 3.3 trillion notional per day, today was 4.3 trillion. Okay, so about 30% more volume than average. For Nikkei mini futures, ADV average daily volume 2.4 trillion versus the 4 trillion uh, today. So about 65 percent more in average volume uh, traded today for Nikkei minis, okay? For topics futures, 
average daily volume is 2.3 trillion and today 5.5 trillion. Okay, so more than double average daily volume for Topics Futures. So clearly Topics had Topics Futures and the Topics Index uh, had a lot more volume going through specifically for a reason. It's not like a directional thing, right? It's because of these rebalances. And most of that volume, that trading volume in both the cash market in single stocks in Japan, as well as in the futures, most of that came right at Japan cash close. That's when rebalancing takes place, right? Because it's on the closing print, whatever that closing print is for the, the index for each stock or whatever, right? And you can actually visually see the massive volume spike at 3 p.m. cash close. That's what this like kind of white box area is um, for on topics futures. Okay. And you could see also that comparatively speaking, not at all like volume happened at 10.30 a.m. Japan time when that China PMI came out, even though topics futures price action did fall from that moment. But before the trading day even began today in Japan, the market was already net skewed to sell today because of these rebalance flows, because of how much Japan equities went up. This additional sell happening from this China you know, PMI print and or just from Hong Kong um, hitting bear market at open, regardless of the, the PMI print um, and dollar yuan you know, going through 7.1, just because of those things, that's what directionally tipped broader global indices, including E-minis and, yes, including topics futures directionally, um, where, ho where flows were headed anyway, downwards. And that's all you need, right? You just need this, the relative absence of buying or lighter buy flows into this month-end activity. Um, let me just zoom out just to show you how massive the volume was at just at the close for Topics Futures. I mean, it clearly stands out relative to like every other day, right? And then here's this Nikkei Futures over the same time period. And you can see that there wasn't, you know, anywhere near like the proportional massive sell flow volume at the close today as, as there was with Topics. Um, not, like not, nothing even close, right? The Nikkei Futures volume of note that I have boxed off on this chart was the very day that I dove into that JPX data of daily net buyers and sellers of futures in the previous episode of Market Depth, showing that foreigners were still buyers um, for that day, and it was the domestic Japanese who were sellers of Nikkei futures. But the Nikkei is more so for, once again, it's the more so the directional trading crowd. Topics is for cash, equity, and single stock and ETF investors, for by and large. Okay, And then speaking of single stock investors, let's just take a look at some of the single stocks in Japan for further context as to why the sell-off happened today and why it didn't happen, okay? So, the some of the worst performers of the day in Japan of the large-cap stocks were the following. Mitsubishi Corp., Sumitomo Corp., Itochu Corp., Marubeni, and Mitsui and Company. Do you know what those five stocks are? Those are Warren Buffett's Japan stocks, the Berkshire Hathaway stocks, okay? And they not only sold off, but they did so, once again, on unusually massive volume at the close due to rebalancing flows from those who chased the Buffett stocks, the holdings, for and sort of in-and-out trade, right? Um, but nonetheless, they skewed portfolios now to being too exposed to these trading houses, and those portfolios had to, you know, kind of automatically sell them down today, right? And so that's why you see things like Mitsui and Company down 5.3% for the day. 
6 million shares average daily volume, 22 million shares today. Mitsubishi Corp, down 6% on the day. 6 million in ADV and 17 million shares today. Marubeni Corp, minus 6.5% on the day. Um, average daily volume of 8 million, 21 million shares today. Sumitomo Corp, minus 4.4% on the day. Um, 5 million average daily volume shares and 11 million shares sold today. And then Itochu Corp, minus 4.7%, and average daily volume of 4.25 million shares and 12 million shares traded today. Okay? Again, these are stocks that are usually broadly tied to commodities directionally, right? They move by and large with the direction of commodities and commodity indices. So one might think that China PMI killed these stocks today, right? Because the actual commodities futures, like copper futures, got killed, as I showed in that chart. It, I suppose, like in kind of logically, that might make sense, but in reality, and as uh, in context of recent times, that's obviously not the case. Because as we know, these stocks have been going up despite commodities tied to China not going up in this past month, right? If you want further proof, if you just look at Advantis, this is the AI play of Japan. This is up 70% month to date. Um, and so it's not a, a coincidence that today finally took. It, the stock finally took a breather and was down on the day, finally. Um, Advantis is a large cap stock, and it, it's a Nikkei heavyweight name that had basically doubled in market cap size in a very short amount of time. And so it needed to be sold out of portfolios today. And it's not because AI is dead, although this might have put the kind of the end of that, this initial NVIDIA triggered, um, you know, momentum that might have put a pause or an end to that uh, momentum, right? Anything, you know, anything that anything that pauses momentum, doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's a pause of momentum, then it's it might be the very end of it as well, okay? But the reason why is not necessarily because people just suddenly realized, oh my God, a 6,000 PE ratio doesn't make sense. No, it's because there were unrelated sell flows that were coming because these stocks went up too much too fast and rebalancing had to occur it's probably going to happen with nvidia to, uh later today too i'm going to assume that nvidia shares are going to be trade trade down uh as well due to rebalancing flows month and rebalancing flows for u.s um portfolios and u.s indices and u.s benchmarks okay so in conclusion my message to you is to just consider what's taking place in terms of stocks this month single stocks and equities what performed unusually well Japan and global AI. What's been driving broader global equities both up and down in the last few weeks? Japan and global AI. And so, what will need to be sold on month end to rebalance today? Japan and global AI and semiconductors and whatever else makes made up you know outside gains, like Japan trading houses, right? And lastly, within global equities, what has been completely ignoring? China macro data for the past month or longer. Japan, global tech, and major indices with heavy you know, exposure to tech weighting to them, such as that of the NASDAQ and the SPX. Okay, so again, is China data hitting markets? Yeah, it's hitting Chinese and Hong Kong equities, now in bear market. It's hitting currency markets like the Yuan, the Aussie dollar, and it's also hitting a wide array, array of uh, commodities. Is China data hitting equity markets ex-China and Hong Kong? No, it hasn't been and it isn't now.
okay? And it makes a big difference, right? Because that's the difference between if global DM markets are now finally starting to realize and price in China's deterioration after ignoring it, now that the debt ceiling issue seems to largely be assumed as done, or if it's not a response to China macro fundamentals and rather market trading dynamics and behaviors of green and red blinking tickers and things like that, right? It's very critical to, to make that distinction, okay? Can uh, China macro weakness start to get priced into equities? Yeah, maybe. We'll have to see. But we at least need to have a starting point of knowing what actually is taking place for now, if we can even stand a chance to try and figure out what's going to be moving what looking forward. Okay? So, as they say, starting at G7 and up to Jamie Dimon's talks and interviews today in China at the JP Morgan conference, Markets are de-risking, but they are not decoupling. All right, that's it for me. Thank you for following Market Depth on behalf of Blockworks Macro. My name is Weston Nakamura. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.